Get it right. Get it right. Get it tight. Get it right. Get it right. Get it tight. I don't need you. Do you need me? No. I mean, I don't know how it works for this episode, but yes. Oh, yes. Hi, filthies. How you doing? <laughs> hey, y'all. <laughs> oh, God. Welcome back, filthy hoes. I'm E with a C. And I'm E with a K. And today we're going to be talking about the wonderful world of sports balls. <laughs> sports balls. <so. laughs> okay, yes. Yeah. We're going to talk about sports. And sports is... We love sports. I've grown up playing sports my whole life. I have it in my genes. It's in my blood. I must be competitive and, you know, make grown men cry. But that's okay. I think you should do that without the sports, but yes. Okay, wow. And I think that's how we met, actually. Yeah, we met playing soccer, but Mm -hmm. I was not a super athletic child. I read in the corner a lot. Not during the soccer season, but just in my childhood. Gotcha. Um, I just wasn't really good at soccer. But (laughs) the purpose of this episode is we really want to talk about like our hobbies concerning sports and, you know, how we feel operating these spaces, usually either being one of the few people of color and black people, how we see the, the sports realm and how we feel like we can contribute to it and if we can relate. Right. Right. So what sports do you play now or did you play? Okay. So growing up, I played, like we said, soccer. I, I played t-ball, <laughs> mainly basketball. I started playing volleyball in high school. Dance is technically a sport. So I did cheer dance for a few years. I did gymnastics and I know I'm forgetting something. And then now I don't typically play a lot of sports, but I do rollerblade, which is sporty, I guess. Yeah, it's a sport. Mm-hmm. Maybe when the pandemic's over, you can do like derby girl stuff. Maybe. I don't know if I like all like the violence <laughs> and like pushing bitches down. Like I'm not into that too much, but I always, I keep saying I want to get back into volleyball because there's typically like volleyball clubs want to kind of get back into dancing. Ooh, you could do roller dance. Okay, you're just like giving me a lot of ambition that I just do not possess, but thank you. (laughs) What about you? So I was not a very athletic child, as I said up front. I did soccer for one season. And I mean, I guess like when we did drama camp, we technically did dancing. So Mm -hmm. our jazz square, our jazz squares. (laughs) And then um, I now do pole dancing. I've been pole dancing on and off for about three-ish years. Yeah, you've really been um, diving into it, and I love to see it. So I think what we really want to talk about is how, like you said, like just navigating these spaces that are typically mostly white spaces, especially like volleyball, Mm -hmm. um, pole dance, even like the gymnastics and dance you were talking about earlier. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack, so I'm not sure how long I'm going to make these ep- this episode with my anecdotes. But one thing is for sure, sports has always been a part of me, like I said. But I think it's built a lot of my character. I face a lot of rejection in sports. I've faced a lot of people saying that, you know, you can do better. So in the good spin of sports, like it gave me a lot of resilience that I don't think I would have had otherwise. And obviously, like, you're active and, like, you have a sense of, like, needing to 
keep being active and being in shape. But for me, it all really started with dancing and how, you know, a lot of things that we don't talk about with sports is you said in one of our episodes, like you need money to participate in sports. A lot of people who have access to these sports spaces are typically, um, you know, middle-class white families and their little white daughters. And I say that in like a loving sense, like I'm just picking at that. But so I was surrounded by a lot of young white girls who were usually like smaller than me, like physically, I'm very tall and I, I was thin, but I wasn't, you know, I feel like white girl thin is different. Yeah, it's different than like. I think it's like the bone density, which I'm sure that's not science. I feel like white girl thin is very different from being black girl thin. Yeah, or even like Latin girl thin. Like my mm-hmm. sister is like Latinx thin. Yeah, yeah. And um, by white people's standards, she's not. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. Yeah. And so I, in particular, participating in these uh, white dominated sports, um, when we would go into dance competitions, you know, they would like have the sequence dress, like the, the, what do you call them? The leotards. The costumes? Yeah, the costumes, the leotards. Um, Cause I did cheer dance. So it was like a combination of like jazz and, you know, cheer dancing at the same time. So we would wear like those types of spandexy stuff and how they would like do our hair. And then moving into volleyball, which I had discovered at the end of eighth grade and I ended up like volleyball is now my favorite sport. I love it. It's Mm -hmm. like so fun. A lot of, you could tell since our school was a little bit poor, Mm -hmm. we didn't have a lot of access to what they would call club volleyball. And it was just, like I said, like very white dominant middle-class girls. Like they would like go to volleyball camps. Like you can just tell they were like, they played volleyball all day long, similar to how guys do what's called AAU in basketball. So AAU is um, basically you just play basketball all year. You're like, you're, you're on a team, like you pay into it. Like you go to like different games and stuff. And so that would be like the equivalent and people who are into sports will know what I'm talking about, but volleyball club volleyball is like that. Like you specifically like go to your teams, like you pay for it. Like you go to, you travel and you just, your skill development is a lot more advanced when you're when you're playing against those girls who do that does that make sense it does make sense it's a lot of information but it does make sense i told you i had a lot to unpack (laughs) so we can first start there first let's start at being economically disadvantaged right in my case Mm -hmm. and how like our school in particular was economically disadvantaged because Mm -hmm. of good old redlining and school districting and property taxes Absolutely. That's why it was a huge deal. Um, Side note, my brother was a very (laughs) great basketball player and everybody knows who he is. And they swore he was going to the NBA. But anyway, um, when we moved, there was a huge thing about my brother possibly having to go to Sumter High. Mm -hmm. And because we were like on the line. Mm -hmm. um, And also like, we as a family were thinking that it was a good advantage because like that school was the better school. Um, and then I will also say um, one of my teammates who has a very, very um, known parent, I'm not going to like blow up anyone's spot, mm. but she, they found out where she lived and she had to transfer to our school. And so she was, yeah, 
that's why she came to our school because she she lived in she lived where you lived Mm -hmm. and so she had to come to our school so she was part of that um you know very affluent like she played volleyball Mm -hmm. all year round she was very good like and for us I had only started playing volleyball in eighth grade. So I only had like three years of experience and comparatively um, to this other girl who had like years of volleyball experience. She even went to college for it. So like you can see like the disadvantages of the socioeconomic status of, of these girls who are getting scholarships where like, I'm not saying I was all that, but I'm just saying like, had I had the same opportunity mm-hmm. to like develop my volleyball skills, I might've been able to get a scholarship. Who knows? Yeah. The, it would take like the money, the time, all of that. Like mm-hmm. when you have money, you have time to develop like these more um, leisurely and sports activities. than if you are just trying to make it from day to day. Yeah. And so that's why like these sports, like, um, like basketball, for example, a lot of the kids that we would get that were, kids of color, they would play basketball in church. They would always pressure me to go to do church league. And I was not in the church, as you know, as we talked about an unpacked prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was like an opportunity to develop my um, basketball skills for free because the church wasn't charging you to play basketball. Mm -hmm. You just had to show up essentially and get on the team. Right. Yeah. I did not realize that there was church basketball, which makes me think that my church was even more whack. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Filthy. She went to like the whitest church in the history. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, like I know. I mean, I can talk about this whole sports thing, but um, yeah, the socioeconomic status for you, you know, I can just imagine if you wanted to pursue like a sports sport and you like really liked it or like were really good at it and just the disadvantage. I mean, basically, my parents told me that we could really just afford going to the library. Yeah, and every extracurricular activity that I wanted to do starting in high school, I had to earn my own money for it. So baking and selling cookies was my sport. And you were very good at it. I was very good. Yeah. (laughs) I I really love that for you. I wish there was like a home ec that, I mean, we kind of had a home ec class, but I don't, I think you were with the smart kids and you didn't have time for that. Yeah. Quick like detour story. I wanted to take that class Mm. and the guidance counselor at the time was like, no, because you're an honor student. Yeah. Oh, we really have to unpack that at a later episode. But so for you, we can circle back around to like basketball and the socioeconomic status, but like now as an adult where you're getting into your interest, Mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit about like that struggle. So, so not only am I like usually one of the few Latinx people in my studios in these pole dance studios, but I'm also on the larger end of things. So there's not a great representation for like large brown women mm-hmm. <laughs> um, trying to dance around the pole or learn how to climb or do pole tricks. Mm-hmm. So it's been very hard to find people that can help me or people who want to help me. Cause usually like when, when instructors see like someone who's larger than themselves, they don't really want to bother to like learn or they think it's going to be too difficult. Mm -hmm. So you don't just, you just don't get as much attention. So not only am I worrying about like the social economic status of myself, like trying to um, 
make money for this hobby that I found and want to pursue. But I'm also like having to find people who are actually like going to want to help me. And I've had like my allies, like I've had people who are like, well, this is what part of your body needs to be activated to do X, Y, Z. So I think what instructors tend to not understand, especially the ones who are intimidated by my size, is that we all have the same body parts. It's just a matter of like building up musculature and where my strengths and weaknesses lie that they're not wanting to see. Yeah. Let's marinate on that. That's Mm -hmm. like really true because I mean, especially when you're a coach, which being a coach is a, that's a gift. Mm -hmm. And some people have it. Some people don't just because you're good at something doesn't automatically make you a good coach. Um, My brother, he tried to coach um, JV basketball and he said, he just was like, I'm really good at basketball, but like coaching is different, but he's never been very patient to be a teacher and a mentor like that. And so I guess when in your instance, having someone take out the time to like, you know, really do one-on-one stuff with you would, it sounds like really frustrating. Yeah. It can be really frustrating for them, especially if they don't know how to break it down for other people. Like, I've had a few really good instructors who have told me things like, well, you need to squeeze your shoulder, like you're squeezing your shoulders, but you need to squeeze them together harder to get that crunch. Mm -hmm. Or I see you're trying to activate, like they can see what I'm doing. They're like, well, you just have to like do X, Y, and Z instead. And this is how you can modify it. So you can get like the same intention Mm -hmm. with this other move. Yeah. So I don't really want to take away from like instructors who don't have that, but there's like, there's a specific special type of instructor that you have, like you have to be able to modify. Yes. And you have to know how to modify on the fly mm-hmm. and like you kind of have to adjust for each body type and not really let yourself get intimidated by like someone larger than yourself doing the sport because I haven't, I've had like these same people who are intimidated by my size be like, well, don't give up. Like you're doing a good job. And mm-hmm. the, that's not as helpful as like telling me what I should and should not be doing. Yeah. And not being afraid because that's the thing I told you about resilience. Like sports is maybe very resilient when someone is not afraid to like tell you what it is and not necessarily to hurt your feelings, but just like they want you to do better. And so it's almost like, especially in a sport like pole, which is about like empowerment and like women, you know, mm-hmm. taking back their power. Um, maybe it's intimidating for the instructor to like be that like critical. I think so. Cause they want to like, Paul is also like, Oh, we're a community. We're a family. We accept everyone. And they might feel like if they're quote unquote critical, when they're really just giving me constructive advice, that it might undermine that value, but it really doesn't because no one's going to want to come back and participate in this community if it's not for everyone. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah, we're unpacking. This is great. There's a line being drawn of like where someone's doing it for like recreation and like you do it very much for like, this is like my sport. Like you're very serious about it and you want to get better and you want that, um, that growth within it. And I guess like with a lot of these pole studios, you have people who are just like, oh, it's just like my, a fun Pilates class that I kind of do to mm-hmm. pass time. But like, mm-hmm. this is like something you're very passionate about. Right. Mm-hmm. Or instructors who are like, well, just flip, just do it. And I'm like, 
you don't think I'm like not trying to do it. Like I'm really trying. Mm -hmm. I'm just struggling because, all right. So there's one, um, there's one floor move I can't do, Mm -hmm. which like then affects other moves that I can't do. So I can't do a plow, which is basically like crunching your stomach and lifting your hips and legs over your head while you're still on the floor. Uh, And trying to do that is like also me trying to invert. So I'm like trying to do like lift my legs and all that stuff. I just like when I crunch, nothing mm -hmm. really happens. So I now have to learn how to like someone tried to help me like, oh, you also have to squeeze together your shoulder blades while you lift and like do all this. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) the part of this that they're not really accounting for is when I lift my hips, lift my legs and throw them over my head my boobs start to suffocate me. Right. So like there has yet to be a modification for that. Mm. And that's something that they don't really seem to understand is like, yeah, I don't want to be in this position because my boobs suffocate me. What can I do for that? How can I modify this? Yeah. And maybe, I mean, do you think that there, you can, like, is there something that maybe they're not, they're not looking at? I think it might be one of those things that are like, go into for like the briefest of seconds before Mm -hmm. yeah coming out of it yeah and that's really frustrating because like for me whenever i would visit your um pole studios i call them yours because they're your space to Mm. me but you're very good at explaining moves and showing me personally what to do so like someone like you who like is getting better and there's things that you know that you want to be able to do and get better at um, it kind of hinders more instructors that like give representation because I think you'd be a great instructor mm-hmm. just based on like the classes I've gone with you, but no one is like being your mentor and your person to show you the way. Right. Yeah. It just hurts everyone in the community because then you lose like different voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I feel that way about dance specifically because I really, when I was a kid really loved doing it. I like the, teacher at the time like she and you know who she is i think um, i think so i have a name in my head yeah she she was like into the ace we called it ace dancing at the time mm-hmm. it was that lady and yeah like i there were other black girls who danced but they had a very like i said before they had a very particular body type they were smaller and she took a lot of time to like train those girls up. Cause like, obviously like they had natural rhythm <laughs> We're just not, we're going to skirt over that, but they had natural rhythm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they had the body type. They had the time obviously because they were participating in this class that I think was, I don't know how much it was. My, I don't think I ever asked my parents. Um, and you know, I, I think that for someone like me who really enjoyed dance and I think I was pretty good at it mm-hmm. in particular, but I think I, I have a very high <laughs> self-esteem. So I think I was good at everything except for soccer. Oh, but um, I don't know. You still do cartwheels. That makes me think that you'd still be good at it. Yeah. I used to, I could do like the cartwheels and the um, front flips and all that. The, I used to do the, uh, my favorite thing was the, um, the toe touches. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was. Yeah, I could really do the toe touches, and that was like my party trick as a eleven year old. <laughs> but anyway, um, and so I I found myself feeling, especially being young, like kind of jealous that these girls had like extra attention, and 
you know, it was really discouraging because like in the space of, of operating, of course, with not only like majority white kids, but like also get into comparing your differences as like a young child, you know what I mean? And that's detrimental because, you know, people can cultivate like their skills and they can get better at like mm-hmm. their sports and their athleticism, but it's just like, we don't have the representation mm-hmm. or like good teachers that are able to, to like show, like pave the way. Right. Ah, you have to be willing to mentor and take time in order to teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because sometimes these are the same people who are like, we don't have enough representation or right. I wish we could diversify somehow. Mm-hmm. You can diversify by being a better teacher. Yeah. And by you, investing in all your students. Exactly. And you know, it's, it's just like that, that saying, well, there's not really a saying, but <laughs> I always make stuff up, but it's just like the idea that, um, like people always want, like they push for change and they want like, you know, more expansion, but like the expansion is, is in the details of what you're already doing. Like you have to take the time to reach um, the people that are already in your space and then like make it more inclusive. Mm-hmm. So with this episode and the reason why I'm kind of excited about it is because when I was younger, I couldn't really understand my feelings of inadequacy when I was participating in these sports. Um, and then we can talk about basketball because that's a, like a whole other animal and that's probably going to be like some therapy for me. But <laughs> Well, it's because I came from like a basketball family and basketball to me has always been fun. And like the competitive nature within basketball kind of makes it unfun for me mm-hmm. in a way. Like, I think I had a lot of my best games where I just like went out there and like had a good time, but mm-hmm. like to, to win. And I think that's in sports in general, I think like the, the whole, like I want to win thing. Like obviously people want to win and there have been games where I would like cry because you put everything into it. But like I do my very best sports when it's fun and when it doesn't become fun anymore and I get discouraged, uh, it's just over for me. Right. <laughs> like I almost quit basketball several times because mm-hmm. of like the cattiness and like people, we can talk about that anyway. Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to touch on in these sports spaces, um, what kind of keeps you motivated to continue to do like your sports? Yeah. So kind of like you, I've definitely been discouraged to, or I've been like to the point where I wanted to quit mm-hmm. because I felt so discouraged. Like I felt like I wasn't making any progress. I felt like nobody could really understand or help me on how to get these moves or how to like progress forward. But I think now I'm kind of fueled by two things. One, I just simply want to get better and start competing in actual competitions, which I just submitted my first competition video last weekend. And two, I want to, like, I actually want to start teaching at some point. Yeah. But I'm in that position now where I want to get certified in certain things, but that costs money. Mm -hmm. So... That whole, like, costing money to then teach other people is another way to, like, block out the talent. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and 
especially like the price points. Like I get people have to be compensated for their time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like we were, we're always talking about on the sidebar of just like this capitalistic society where like you have to capitalize on your, um, your side hustles or like your passions and like, it leaves people out in these spaces like you, like I was saying, and you were saying, and I guess for me, I kind of have slowed down on sports, but I like put all that extra stuff like in the gym or like now I'm rollerblading, I guess. But Mm -hmm. what keeps me motivated is that um, I feel like I'm like using my body in a way that like feels good And I don't have to, like, show anybody or impress anybody whenever I'm doing, like, my sports or Mm -hmm. my workout, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, and no one's, like, keeping score or telling you if you're going to win or lose. Yeah, so, um, like, kind of just doing things on my own terms, which I guess is very Aquarian, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) But isn't it fun to, like, think of yourself just in these astrological terms, like, break everything down? Yeah, it is, which I've always um, identified with my sign, but... Um, and I'm like an Aquarius sun and Aquarius moon. So I'm just super Aquarian, but anyway, um, and I guess when all this stuff is over with the pandemic, if it ever becomes over, like, you know, I think I want to, like I said, start dancing again and like participate in things like you kind of encouraged me, um, you know on the side, like, as I watch you, like, you're, like, going for to your classes, and it's, like, you prioritize it as something that you, you must do, mm-hmm. and I like it, but uh, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Yeah. We're back, filthy bitches. Yes, hoes. All right, so we're going to switch it up for this section. Switch it up. Because I have nothing left to offer in terms of sports. <laughs> because my number one sport in through my most of my childhood was reading. But I think we'd love to hear all about like your basketball stories. Because you've been hinting this whole time. Okay. So I would really, really appreciate that everyone just give me grace. I do love the sport of basketball. And I do love and support women who play such sports. But sports... In basketball, we had a lot of talent on our basketball team. Um, but for whatever reason, and I believe just looking back on it, the reason why we didn't gel together is because people, one, we weren't really friends. Like people on our basketball team would be friendly towards each other, but there's only a few of the girls that were like actual friends. And so you have to, especially in team sports, have that gel. Like the, the team has to like have a, a vibe and a bond in order to like, you know, run plays together and have it be effective. Like, you know, you're concerned about your teammate. Like we didn't really have that. With volleyball, it was different because, um, well, one, like we all kind of came up together like in eighth grade, well, really seventh grade, but we didn't know about it, is that you could go and play for the high school and start playing high school volleyball, at least train with them. So the girls that were on the volleyball team really camaraderie. And so we were really good. Like, I think we won like the regional sports and we went to the playoffs a couple times, but we were just really close and we had that freedom and ability to do so. And then 
it became less of a, um, we kind of made it our own and our team was very eclectic. Um, we got some new coaches and it made all the difference. And the reason why I bring this up is because when people like have the same amount of access and the same amount of like attention, like the team, uh, what do you call it? I don't want to say team spirit. (laughs) The morale, (laughs) the morale. Yeah. The morale is different. And like, we really like can rally around each other and like have like good games. And so with, with basketball, I just always felt like I would have to switch my persona because of my team in particular, like I said, we all, like, I wasn't really friends with them. Like I was friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm more friends with some of them now than I was back then because we're adults, (laughs) but we kind of, catch up with each other on social media but Mm -hmm. you know it just was so catty almost and like people were trying to outshine each other because like the sport especially basketball every girl of color was trying to play basketball Mm -hmm. and you're always like trying to be like the best and like better than the next person and so like I feel like that's cultivated from like this this weird sports culture where people who don't really have any other outside hobbies and like basketball is the only thing they're, they can look forward to. And it just kind of took the fun out of it where I feel like if everybody kind of like understood that there was no like real competition, you know, like we're all just like coming to play sports together. Right. Okay. So I know I'm riffing about like, you know, the basketball climate that I had as a 16 year old girl, but it really just made all the difference. I love, like I said, I love playing basketball, but I love volleyball more because it had like that extra like umph with it. Yeah. And, um, kind of seems like it was more of a community sport than basketball, which is very, it's very strange to me considering both are team based. Right. Yeah. Um, and people had a lot more time to dedicate to it because, like I said, they had, like, the church league. And um, the coaches, to me, like, wanted to do well, but they didn't really quite know how to coach us mm. because I think they were used to coaching guys. And they weren't re- willing to change. Right, exactly. So, like, being, you know, before I went to our high school, we had a really good, um, very well-known woman basketball coach and she retired unfortunately when I got there you can just tell like our team like they would say like the the bas- the girls basketball team went downhill like since she left because you know I think she knew how to cultivate a good morale within her team and like she knew how to like speak to women and like young women especially and like get us to like rise to the occasion with our talent because I, ca- I can honestly say like our basketball team was very very talented um, considering like we were in a, like a rural school and there wasn't a lot of resources, but I think having women representation and having like, especially she was like a white lady, she knew how to like, re- like not relate. That's a weird word, but like she knew how to like coach us mm-hmm. knowing our background and knowing like how to get us to like be great. Right. Yeah. Because when you don't have that representation and when you don't have people who are trying to coach to your level or like Mm -hmm. try and understand the background, then you treat the people who are interested in the sport as second rate. Right. Cause I feel like, you know, at the very end and like no shade to my coach, cause he's a really nice guy, but like 
Um, there were a couple of girls on our basketball team. I'm not saying that like everybody deserved a scholarship, but I just feel at the end, I was like, not that I was good enough to go to college. I mean, maybe if I tried, but not that I was good enough to go to college, but it was, it, it seemed like an afterthought, like, oh yeah, I have seniors on my team that are going to college. And I, I had a really high grade point average, mm-hmm. not higher than you, but <laughs> It was it was high for like a, a jock and I think to find the stereotypes. Yeah. Um, you know, I think um they were really shocked because at the end I think they realized that that most of the senior um basketball girls were in were honor students. Like we had um our favorite person and then I can't say names, damn it. <laughs> no, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And, oh, that's another like byproduct of just like not taking an investment of any sort in the people who are playing the sports. Mm-hmm. Because for me, like, it was very well known who were honor students and who weren't. Yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of very smart, like black kids that were playing sports. And a lot of them, we did go to college, but, you know, even just getting a partial scholarship or even being like cultivated, like, hey, you're good enough to like get better at this sport Mm -hmm. to potentially like do well in school after this. And it was just the um, girls basketball team, right? The guys basketball team too. I mean, but I I think like, uh, I think that especially in our rural high school, we definitely did a lot of kids a disservice Mm -hmm. that were smart enough to like go to really good schools, but on scholarships on scholarships but they weren't really pushed i'm not really just sure it's just i have my own perspective and then i wasn't i wasn't even like deep into the circle i was just very you know observing of like the girls who were really smart and really talented and you know it's it's really unfortunate because there was a difference of how they treated that girl i was telling you about who came from um the good school and I think it's because of a lot of other different things. She was really nice and really cool. And I like her as a person. But, you know, you can just tell like she um, to no fault or it's not bad or anything, but she just had a lot of opportunities to like get better. And she was pushed by the right people and they really like saw potential in her. And I'm just like, there are a lot of especially girls like black girls who have like the the genetic talent. Like I think mm-hmm. talent is like you're born with it. You can develop your skills but like some people are born with it and they just weren't able to develop right so that's yeah. my whole spiel I, I made it like a short version but yeah i mean talent is nothing without skills and you can't really get skills without someone taking the time and the interest in you mm-hmm. and that's that's what gets missed when we don't have these representation in our schools mm-hmm. in these sports yeah in media you it is locking out a whole group of people who could, you know, show their show their talent and their skills. Because it's unpacked filth and we do talk about women, but I think like largely in the black community with like a lot of our guys, like I was telling you, like my brother played AAU and there's a lot of those guys whose parents like struggled to get them to participate in AAU because they knew that sports wasn't out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like your partner was saying earlier, like um, a lot of, people like you're either you you're a black guy and you know that to get out of like the hood not that we lived in the hood but Mm -hmm. to get out of like your circumstances you either rap or play sports particularly basketball or football Mm -hmm. and and he emphasized not baseball (laughs) he did i mean there's truth to that because we're fighting for access as as women and people of color 
And it has a lot to do with the, the power structures and like who's available to like mentor these kids. So it was capitalism all along. Yeah. Now that we've come full circle. <laughs> and now I'm just like, maybe I should go and like be a volleyball coach for some like inner city. <laughs> oh no. Now I have a new dream. Yeah. Not, oh no. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. I never really kind of thought about it. I'm just like, man, like we're needed. They need you to be a pole teacher. They do. Yeah. As soon as I can afford certifications. Yeah. Let's start a GoFundMe. Filthy fam, like donate to the GoFundMe. <laughs> so E with the C can be a pole instructor. I and want then, this. I mean, I want you to go into like cities and start coaching like kids of color. Yeah. Teaching bat, not basketball, volleyball. I can do basketball too. Basketball is ingrained in me, whether I like it or not. It's just like, and it's really annoying. I'm not tooting my own horn, I swear to you, but like it comes naturally to want to play. Mm. And I don't know if, I, if I've been indoctrinated by my father, but <laughs> like it just, when I started playing in middle school and I hadn't touched the basketball in a really long time, I just, I don't know. Were you like, this feels right? It felt right. I'm serious. So yeah, that's all I want to say about sports, man. We're needed, guys. If you play sports and you're a woman, especially a black girl or a Latinx girl, and just get into these spaces of like, you know, and we say dominated by white people, but it's just the access, which right. is associated with whiteness in a, in a sense to me, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. And take up space. Take up space. Be loud. Mm-hmm. Show up and show out. Mm-hmm. If you have the talent and you're willing to develop the skills, mm-hmm. you're needed. Yeah. Absolutely. So thank you guys for listening to our whole episode about unpacking the things that we didn't even realize. I had some aha moments, man. Oh my God. <laughs> Oprah aha. Thank you for tuning into Oprah aha sports, basically. Absolutely. Um, you can email us at unpackedphil and you can also check us out again, as we say every episode on Instagram. Instagram. Unpacked filth. If you like this episode, please tell your friends. Yeah. If- Um, Like I said, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple, and we're looking at our analytics. So we know that you're out there. We love you. (laughs) Thanks for listening every week. Yes. And we also do an Instagram live every week. Sometimes we run out of um, time to say all the things we want to say. Absolutely. But our Instagram lives, I love, I like our Instagram lives. Me too. But we do it um, at Unpack Felth Mm -hmm. and with at Nice and Airy Mm -hmm. 21. Absolutely. Thanks. And we do them every Saturday at noon. So please join us for those two. Yeah. Um, so thanks, guys. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.